together verses 1 through 5 as we think about the great theological truth presented here in the beginning was the Word. John 1, verse 1 through verse 5. The Word of the Lord says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Lord, thank you for the light of the world, the life of the world. Thank you for Jesus. I pray that, Lord, as we gather our hearts before your word for just a few moments this morning, that we would lay aside all the other thoughts and plans that we have for the remainder of the day and the day tomorrow. And Lord, just be blessed as we think about your word to us. I pray and I ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And amen. Children can be brutally honest and one of their honest times typically is at Christmas. I remember bringing up my boys when they were younger and sometimes they would react in ways that I didn't appreciate when they didn't get quite what they wanted, not typically from myself or my wife, but from a grandparent, from a cousin, from an uncle or an aunt. I remember one particular Christmas, it was really, really rough because it was like the little boy I heard about that wrote a Christmas note back to his aunt after he had opened up the package she had mailed to him. And it simply said this, Dear Aunt Sarah, thank you for the Christmas present that you sent. It was almost as good as the one I really wanted. (laughs) Sometimes those things happen. Well, my friend, when we exchange gifts, we do a couple of things. We remember the gifts that the Magi, the wise men, recorded in the book of Matthew, brought to the young Jesus there in Bethlehem. But we also give gifts as a token, a reminder of the greatest gift ever given. And I don't have to say that. You understand it. It's why you're here this morning to worship and to acknowledge this greatest gift the Lord Jesus, without question, the greatest gift ever given to this world is the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in the book of John, unlike the other gospel writers, John didn't focus on the where and the when of Christmas, but he really honed in on the who and the why. You know, compared to Matthew and Luke, and even Mark, John really wasn't the broadest writer, but he was definitely the deepest. You know, when you really want to think about the theology and the theological underpinnings of Jesus, go to the book of John. Again, he doesn't deal with a lot of the things that the other gospel writers deal with, but he explains the deepness and the heart and the thoughts of God in sending Jesus Christ 
into the world. New Testament scholars tell us that in the original language, in the Greek language, John used only about six about 600 different words to write his entire gospel, but it's not the wordiness of the gospel that makes it so important. It's the weightiness. It's just so weighty. And here in these five verses that are the prologue, the beginning of the gospel of John, John uses 65 words to convey the deep truth and theology about the coming of the Lord Jesus. And so there are three things that I want you to quickly take note of with me as we think about in the beginning was the Word. So the Word came down as the identification of Jesus. So I want you to think about with me the identity. Who is this Jesus that we celebrate this time of the year? And of course, we don't just celebrate Him at Christmas time, but we celebrate Him 12 months of the year, right? 365 days a year because this Jesus has completely and totally changed our lives for the living here in this world and changed our eternal destiny. And here John really identifies him. He says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's not part of our text But if you look down in verse 14 of this same chapter of the Gospel of John, you see how John even reveals more about Jesus. He says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and of truth. So Jesus Christ... As John puts it, he is the Word, and the Word is the incarnation of God. The incarnation simply means that the essence of God came down in flesh. And let me just draw out of this a couple of things that we've explored already on the past couple of Sundays here at Bible Baptist Church. But as John identifies Jesus, notice that he tells us that Jesus is eternal. So he is eternally God. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And this doesn't refer to a start. So John is not saying that at the first Christmas time, or even nine months before that, when Mary became overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and God sent His Son into her womb, John is not saying that that was the beginning. The idea of the beginning here refers to a state. Not a start, but a state. In the beginning of the world, and even before the beginning of the world, there was the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus back then was the Word. That Word was with God and that Word will always be God. So before there was a cosmos, before there was a world, a created order, 
there was a Christ. Don't forget that. Before there was ever a sun to shine or a moon to glow or a star to twinkle, there was a Lord Jesus Christ. I've said this several times over the past months, but I love saying it. And so since I'm in the pulpit, I get to say it one more time. Jesus Christ is the only person ever born who at the moment of his birth was older than his mother and just as old as his father. Older than Mary because there was a point when Mary began when she was created by God and she was born. So Jesus didn't have that. So he was older than Mary, but he was just as old as his father because he was eternally with God. Jesus is equally God. As we say that, that reminds us of the great theological doctrine of the Trinity. You know that this morning that we are here today and when we say we are worshiping God today, we are worshiping a holy God who manifests himself three different ways. And you know it, we praise the Father, but we also praise the Son, and at the same time we praise the Holy Spirit. Some people don't like the thought of the Trinity. In fact, I've had people to argue with me, well, Brother Allen, I don't know why you speak of the Trinity because that word Trinity is not even found in Scripture. And you know what? They're right. But I'll tell you who is found in Scripture. The Father is found in Scripture. And the Spirit is found in Scripture. And the Son is found in Scripture. And as you begin to understand the wholeness, the fullness of God's revelation in Scripture you understand that a holy God manifests Himself those three different ways. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen, you cannot completely understand the Trinity. And perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't know about a God that I can't understand. May I say to you, I wouldn't know about a God who I could understand. I would not worship a God that I could fit into my finite intellect, into my finite way of thinking. I wouldn't worship that kind of God. He would not be worthy of my worship. But a God who can be one in essence, the same, yet at the same time reveal himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's a God I choose to worship. And even though I can't understand the Trinity, do you know what I do today? By faith, I believe the Trinity. A lot of different people down through the ages have tried to uh, represent the Trinity, come up with illustrations. Perhaps the most popular is the shamrock. You know, the shamrock is the national symbol of Ireland. And that's because years ago, St. Patrick, who was teaching a group of children about the doctrine of the Trinity, they were outside. He looked down and saw that three-leafed clover, the shamrock, and he plucked it up. And he said, boys and girls, how many plants is this? And they all said, one. And then he said, but how many leaves are on the plant? 
And they said, three, one plant and three different leaves. Well, that's not a perfect illustration of the Trinity, but it's one that has been around for a long time. Others have used water. Now, here's what we know. Water is composed of H2O, right? Two parts hydrogen and a part oxygen. And water can come in, in three different forms. It can come as a solid when it's frozen. It can come as a liquid when it's unfrozen. And it can come as a vapor when it is gas. But at the same time, it's always H2O. It is always constitutionally water. Well, those are efforts at an illustration. We can't completely illustrate what the Trinity is, but beloved, we believe it. And and here's the greatness of the coming of the Word. The Word comes down at Christmas time as the sun to put all the beautiful things and all of the holiness and all of the power of God in a way, my friend, that you and I can see, that we can hear, that if we were here 2,000 years ago, that we could have reached out and touched. The Word came down, and tangibly so. And so Christmas is about the coming of the Word of God, and this Word of God, this explanation of God, defines God for us. It is the identification, it is the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only in this great passage do we see the identity of Christ, but also notice the creation activity of Christ, the creativity of Jesus. Not only was He in the beginning with God, but notice according to verse 3, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The creativity of Jesus. Jesus is the agent of creation. In other words, when God spoke and the worlds came into existence, He was speaking through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because John says, not anything that we know, everything that we can perceive, everything that we can experience in this life is here because the Lord Jesus made it. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians that not only did the Lord Jesus make everything that we know, but the Bible tells us that everything we know consists. In other words, it holds together through the Lord Jesus. Here's what that says to you and to me this morning. You take Jesus out of anything, and you know what will happen? It will fall apart. You take Jesus out of a nation, and that nation is doomed eventually to fall apart. You take Jesus out of a church, the church will fall apart. You take Jesus out of your home, your home will not make it. It'll fall apart. You take Jesus out of your life, and your life is doomed to eventual failure because your life will fall apart without the Lord Jesus. 
So I want you to notice with me this morning, John talks about the identity of Jesus, the creativity of Jesus, and then as we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper, I want you to notice that John talks about the activity of Jesus. The Word became flesh so that He could do a couple of things for you and for me. I want you to notice that first of all, He he brings life to the dead. The Bible says in verse 4, In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. You see, only the dead need life. Only the dead. The living don't need life because they're living, they're alive. But the dead need life. A lot of people are groping through this life and they don't even understand that spiritually they're not really alive. It's kind of like that little boy that went out with his father and he was coming of age and the mother had asked for a chicken to be slaughtered to take into the kitchen so she could prepare dinner. And the father said, well, it's about time that he learns how to do this. And the dad picked out the chicken and took the hatchet out with the little boy, and the little boy learned what he had to do to prepare that chicken for his mama. And you know how that goes. I don't know if any of you have ever done that before. Some of you have. Some of you are saying, well, Alan, I wish you wouldn't even really talk about it. But if you've done it before like I have, you know what happens. The, the head comes off and, and the corpse, you know, just continues to do its chicken thing. But that little boy said, Dad, I want you to look at that chicken doesn't even know it's dead. There's a lot of people who are walking around in life, and maybe you're here this morning, and you don't even know that really you're dead. And I'm not talking about eventually. I'm talking about right now. You see, Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and he says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So my friends, before a touch from Jesus, before the forgiveness that we receive through his blood, before God saves us by his grace... We are dead already in our trespasses and sins. But thanks be to God that when He comes in and God's grace permeates our lives and we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, His blood washes away our sins and we become alive in Jesus. You see, the activity of the Word that came down and became flesh was to bring life to the dead and to bring light to the dark. The Bible says in verse 5 of our text, the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not comprehended it. The light came and it shone and the darkness tried to put it out, but the darkness was never, ever Successful. You see, Jesus came and he brought light 
into this world. You'll see candles maybe tonight in your home. You may light a candle or two or maybe even tomorrow. And when you light that candle, let me ask you to do this. Let the light from that candle remind you that the greatest light came down in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what you can do with that candle. When you're finished with it, you can extinguish it. You can put it out. There's a variety of ways you can do that. But the bottom line is this. With Jesus Christ, the world tried to put out the light, but as John writes, it could not comprehend it. In other words, it couldn't enshroud it. It couldn't cover it up. Listen, Jesus not only was born, but Jesus grew up. And for three years, Jesus had a public ministry. He touched people. He healed them. He presented the gospel and people were saved eternally. And at a fever pitch, the religious establishment coupled with the Roman power tried to put out the light. And on a cross called Calvary, they thought they were successful. But three days later, my friend, let me remind you that the light stepped out of his entombment and the light shines forevermore. They tried 2,000 years ago. Men have tried ever since. And even in our current culture, Right here in our own communities, the light tries to snuff out the darkness, but it cannot because the darkness cannot overcome. It cannot envelop. It cannot comprehend the light. I ask you this morning to be encouraged. Don't be discouraged this Christmas of 2023, be encouraged because as dark as things might be in the world around us, you know, the best time for the light is when the darkness is pervasive. When the darkness abounds and the light comes, the light fulfills its purpose. And let me ask you this morning, has the light fulfilled its purpose in your heart and in your life. Perhaps you're here today and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I'm asking you today, let the light come in. Let the light shine darkness in your soul and let the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ wash away your iniquity. What a time to do so. Christmas Eve, 2023, Submitting yourself to the Word who came down for us to explain God to us, to fulfill the law's demand for us, to resurrect again, to be in us. What a great time to come to Jesus. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with me this morning and bow your heads. We're going to have a prayer, and then we're going to sing together a stanza of one of our favorite Christmas carols. And as we sing this together, if somebody needs to step out and come to Jesus, would you do that today? Or if you just need to step out because from your heart 
you want to come and express your thanks to God for who Jesus is to you, would you do that today? Just let the word that came down and dwelt among us have his effect in your heart and in your life. Father, thank you for our moments together from your word. And I pray, Father, now that if there's one who needs to respond, that he or she would come, trust in Jesus, glorify Jesus, make any decision, Lord, today that you've called him or her to make. I pray and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.